0: hey 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 how's it going gold street garden family thank you for joining us for another podcast episode this is pastor dominic and i just want to thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be able to pour into your lives to reveal jesus in greater measure to you personally there is nothing more exhilarating than the daily rediscovery of jesus and what a beautiful beautiful moment we get to share When we share it, looking at the Lamb of God, we just want to let you know that if you want more info on the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. You can follow us on all the main social media platforms to stay up to date on all of what's going on in our community. We love you all and we pray that you are impacted deeply and greatly by today's episode and teaching. We love you all. God bless.
1: During worship, I, I heard, and I'm always very watchful when I say I heard, I'm, I, I'm not saying I heard an audible voice, there was an unction in my heart that I could really sense the jealousy of God. And I could sense his jealousy, and there's something he wants to do tonight, and I, 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 I this is what was kind of like a teleprompter on my heart, that God wants to deliver people from loving the world tonight. Like I sense that strongly. Like I sense that he's so jealous of of his bride and that there is love for the world that is holding us back from Shekinah glory breaking through. Like I just, he's so jealous because, the reason he's jealous is because he wants to, He wants to show himself, but sometimes he can't fully show himself because he can't reward love of the world. And where the love of the world is, it holds the curtain back a little bit. And he wants to deliver us tonight of that. And there's some people that even as I'm saying that, you're actually shaking. You can sense that, I know there's some things that I, I, I'm desiring him, but I'm not, I'm not crossing that threshold. And, you know, does is, is anybody love the Bible? I, I just want to make sure, like, this book, like, this is the only, this is the only book where the, the author doesn't sign your copy, he signs your heart. This is the only book that you don't get a signed copy, he'll sign your heart. And it gets imprinted in you deeply. And with what the Lord is doing tonight, I want to just I'll make this very short about where we've been as a body. Because this Sunday, we're doing corporate prayer. And I'm telling you, you want to do whatever you can to be here. Because it's there's something that's special happening in our body. And there's three words the Lord gave us at the end of Tail end of last year to focus everything as a body on, and that are these three words: intercession. Say it, intercession. intercession. If, and just for anybody, it's not familiar, intercession is praying from the heart of God for other people, and 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 truly interceding His heart, praying for other people, and getting His heart and releasing it. So intercession, evangelism. Evangelism. Everybody say evangelism. So we as a body are all about that. We, we're always out on the streets every Saturday. Um, and not only that, we do huge outreaches where we don't even have our own building yet. And we put more for, like, I've had so many people come. It's like, you know, you should be just, you know, only saving for a building. You should only, and I'm like, we're, it's, his, it's his church. It's not about our building fund. It's about his church, and we want to reach the lost, and we want to go after that knowing that he will supply and that he will will reward good stewards of what he prioritizes, not what we prioritize. Third word is discipleship. Everyone say discipleship. These are the three words that God has pressed upon our body as a whole. And maybe you're in this room and your heart really burns for one of those three. Um, but I'm here to tell you that the Lord wants us to mature in all of them. And some of our hearts might drift a little bit more towards certain things than others in a moment. But I say all that to say we as a church are very um, thankful for the grace of evangelism. We, we, we naturally have flown in that since we started. We still need to learn a lot. But it's been a natural, it's been a natural expression. Um, from a lot of the roots that, of godly values that have been deposited in us. Intercession is something that is being more awakened and the reason why is because sometimes you can go evangelize and do a big event, but your heart's not breaking for the people so you'll celebrate results instead of what God sees. And a lot of people will be like, wow, did you see that crowd? And Jesus is just looking for the woman at the well. Yes. Yes. Come on. And, and because of that, you have to get in the prayer room and you have to get his heart or all you'll do is you'll just run around and try to get results so you can take pictures and show everybody how holy you are. Instead of getting his heartbeat in prayer. So that way when you evangelize, you refuse to leave those people without finding a way. You got to get discipled you got to know him you got and that's why you get his heart in the prayer room and then you go and evangelize and then because your heart is so broken for people then you take the the ownership by the Spirit of God to begin to pour into more people. If everybody in this room started discipling one person in their sphere, we would double in, in, in a week. We would it would it That's what's supposed to happen, but a lot of times people just leave the discipleship up to just a pastor or up to, no, you are called to be a witness and you have something to give people because it's not you that's giving it. It's what he's already deposited and you're releasing what's been freely given. It's not about if you think I have the greatest story it's not about your story it's about the cross that you see some people think that I can't relate to a drug addict because I've never done that he it doesn't matter about your testimony we all submit to the cross we all submit to the resurrection of what Jesus has done and sometimes people get intimidated because they don't think they know enough or they don't have the right story it's all about him and the more you rely on what you know it's actually self-righteousness It's actually you justifying or excusing yourself from responsibility that God has given you. So it's important. So I say all that to say we've been on this this tear talking about the prayer that God desires. And when we come to pray this Sunday, it's not gonna be like, if you've ever been to a prayer meeting, it's gonna probably be very different than what you're used to if you haven't been with us for a prayer meeting because we, we, we go through things that need to be prayed for, but we want to hear the heartbeat of heaven. And I truly believe that three hours of silence in his presence can be more effective than running your mouth about all the things you want for three hours. Because if he can transform you in the room, if you just get before him and you just lay yourself on the altar for your family, for your co-workers, for your friends, and you begin to say, God, teach me to love them the way you've loved me. Get ready for three hours of download. Get ready for three hours of life change forever just by asking him to teach you. He'll start revealing things that are so precious. Jeremiah 33.3 3. So. Uh, It's a scripture you want to memorize because it's an invitation to prayer. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God says, call to me. Everyone say that. Call to me. And then it says, and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So let's just look at that context real quick. God wants us to call him and then he actually desires to answer us. There's some people that are wondering, it doesn't seem like God it, you know, wants to or is, I'm here to tell you. He actually desires to answer you more than you want to hear him. He desires to answer you and he desires to show you great and mighty things which you do not know. What is that? T- you know what that tells me? When I was reading that verse this week again, the Lord just. I just felt like drawn out of the pages. It, it 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 was the fact that God is saying, "Call to me," and it doesn't say, "Call to me for this and that and this and that." It's saying, "Call to me, call because you want me, and I will answer you and show you things." Great and mighty things which you do not know. This is telling me that God wants to share things with me that are beyond what I could ever ask him for in prayer. I know this is a little deep. I I want you to see that God is looking for a people that will call to him and wait for him to show them great and mighty things in his presence. Things that go beyond just the natural things you want changed in your life. Uh, I said this this past Sunday. If you only pray, if you only pray when there's a crisis in your life, you don't love God, you love control. What do I mean by that? It means that you... you you're only praying because you need God to fix a situation so you can go back to being independent without him. If you only pray when there's a crisis. Now, is God honor and does, when people are desperate and they pray in a crisis? Does he, he does because he's a good father. He's so good. But he's looking for a people that will linger. For a people that will, will love him like there's no tomorrow even when they don't need a natural breakthrough. Somebody that will weep at his feet when the sun is shining and there's a whole bunch of cool things you could be doing. Because when does everybody get extra desperate for the presence when somebody's in the hospital? When something, when, and I'm telling you, still do. I'm not saying not, I'm just here to say that God is, look, I didn't marry my wife and I don't wake up every day saying, man, I wonder what I can get out of this marriage today. I wonder if I can get out of this marriage. no. I studiously want to adore the one I'm married to. I want to learn more about her. I want to enjoy the life that I have with her. And it's the same thing with God as he's looking for people that aren't just looking for what they can get out of it, even though he desires to give us things and teach us things. He's looking for people that really are caught up in him. Say amen to that, isn't it? So, with Jeremiah 33 being said, <laughs> <I won't, laughs> wow, there's, there is something very special that's going, that's already happening. I just, as we're laying the word out, that's all that's happening right now, is we're laying a foundation for him to do something miraculous. He's going to show you great and mighty things tonight. Do you know if God just showed you one great thing, you'd be on the floor. I mean, just one. All he has to do is show, this is how I made the mountains. <laughs> this is how you breathe today. <laughs> like, it just takes one great thing for him to share that it should completely rock your world. Yet, we control the conversation based off ex- external, trivial things. And we limit the way he can speak to us because we're so focused on what's going on. And our whole prayer life is based around what we see around us and what we want to change instead of letting him transform the way we see everything. And we develop, and that's Psalm, 40, Psalm 40, 145. Let me make sure. Psalm 145 verse 3 says this. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, for his greatness is unsearchable. Just think about that. His greatness is unsearchable, yet he asks us to pursue him. It's a, it's a, eternity is a gift from God to discover his love. That's how long it's going to take. Eternity. Eternity is actually a gift for you to see how loved you are. That it's going to take that long for him to tell you how much you are loved. Eternity. And Psalm 145, 3, when it says that, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. You have to think about that. Your praise, the way you praise, is your assessment of who you believe he is. So I'm just telling you, if you're just golf clapping, (laughs) if you just say, I'm not like that, I'm telling you, it's, it's not about what you're like, it's what happens when he walks in the room. When he walks in the room, I don't cry a lot. But when he walks in the room, I find I have a lot of tears. Yes, yes. I don't shout randomly. But when I get in his presence, I have Holy Ghost Tourette's. I just wanna love Jesus. I just want the praise to go. Because it says, Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. That's your chance right now. You see, There should be something that happens that when we read scripture, it's an initiation to what, the the scripture is actually telling you what to do and you read it like a devotional. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. What should you do? You should start praising because because if God sees that you honor his word, soon as you see it, he's going to start opening things up to you. That if soon as you read something, you're like, I'm going in. He's like, I can use this person. Because every time they see a sign from heaven, they're ready to move forward. That just like signs on the road. When you're reading scripture, it's signs for your life. Time to praise. Great is the Lord. But I don't feel like it. It's not good. It doesn't matter because he's greatly to be praised. Not your situation working out the way that you want in the moment. As you begin to greatly praise him. Your praise then takes you into a depth that is so, and the reason I'm talking about praise is prayer. Do you know worship and praise is an expression of prayer? That prayer is an active, it's an act, there's so much activity with prayer. And I'm learning that more and more. And like when Shauna was saying, our last prayer meeting, there was a moment that unprompted, like it wasn't like on the count of 10 or count of three, everybody yell. There was all of a sudden, it was like at the very same time, a siren of praise went off and it didn't stop. And it, and it felt like the angels just get, like people's voices weren't growing weak because they were carried by the Holy Spirit to give Jesus, the bridegroom, the praise he is worthy of. That when you begin to praise him, I'll never forget um, the Lord marked me uh, many years ago when, and there's, he marks me every day when, but I'm, 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 I want to share a pivotal moment of, there was a moment that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was ha- and this is when I was, uh, uh, I think I was eight, like 15 years ago, I was at a place where I was in a service and I didn't know if I should go to Bible college again because I had already done one year, but I was like, I don't know if I want to do this whole thing. Uh, you know, uh, if, if you don't even know my story, the only reason I went to Bible college to begin with is because my parents said they would pay for my car insurance if I went to Bible college for a year. And I actually went to Bible college the first half of the year high on cocaine every day. I would go to Bible college high on cocaine. But I got delivered, amen, amen, while I was going. It was awesome. But one of the things that took place is I remember the year after, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back because I just didn't know what. And the Lord spoke. To, and I just, once again, I had this impression in my heart that I, I heard I heard God tell me, just put your hands up. And this was this was in a meeting where the preacher was preaching. It wasn't a worship, it wasn't worship going on. The preacher was just preaching. It's Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. He was he was ministering, he was preaching, and I just put my hands up while he was ministering. And I was like, in the back. And I just, I just, I left my hands up. And like you know, everybody knows, like when you have your hands up. It only takes 10 seconds for everybody to go. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody stays in this mode the whole time. They're finding a way to get comfortable again because this is it's a sacrifice to keep your arms up and your hands up. And I remember like 15 minutes goes by and my arms are starting to hurt. And this is the prayer that came out of me. Lord, give me the strength to worship you. And I kept my hands up and I kept my hands up. For an hour he just kept ministering I didn't even know what the message was <laughs> I'm just worshiping and and pastor Rodney that night he was calling people out and praying like he must have called like I, I'm, I'm I could be overestimating but it was like 50 60 people like he would just call out, like hey you come up here you know God's You know, and he would just pray for them. And I have my, I'm probably the only one that's been there for an hour with my hands up. And I have a feeling he even knew it. (laughs) And he just wanted to see it, you know, because he's like in the spirit just kind of going. And I'm just having my hands up. And finally, at the very end, he's like, you. And and they had to drag me up because I was just like in the glory. But in that moment, I, I heard so clearly, no, you have to. You have to keep going. The only reason you, you're not sure if you want to go is because you want to do some things your way. I, I need you. But I would have never knew that unless I continued to sacrifice, keeping my hands lifted. And my, it was. And I, I don't want this to be about me. I want you to hear me. It was just my, my prayer was give me the strength to worship you. Give, give me, I want the grace that you have for me to be able to be a gift to you. Not just something. And that, I'll, I'll never forget that moment because it, it trans I mean, we wouldn't be here today um, with this if it wasn't for moments like that of marking and learning. And I wanted to say, if you don't love to pray, you don't know him. It's that simple. If you don't love to pray, you don't know him. And I'm not, I'm not here to try to say, I'm not here questioning people's salvation. That's not what I'm doing in this moment. But if you don't genuinely love to pray, I'm here to tell you, you don't know him. Because I, I actually, I've realized when prayer, prayer is most burdensome when you do it irregularly. The less you pray, the more of a burden it is to do it. Because you almost feel cold. You just feel like it's just like, barely coming out of your mouth it's not passionate it's almost like a a laborious obligation but I found that the more that I habitually talk to him I I'm like so drawn and I'm in and there's a fire that burns that I, I just want to talk with him all the time that I I'm finding opportunities all the time my little girl it's so amazing now like she refuses, like if there's even a moment, she, she's always saying, Daddy, we have to pray um, before, before um, bed. I need you to come. And like, we'll just sit there and pray. And she's used to us going for like 10 minutes, just talking to God about how Jesus is going to be revealing more. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal the relationship that Christ has with her as she's maturing. But I want everyone around me to know how amazing it is to talk to him. It should not be something that I, I, you know, and that's why even prayer meetings, there's always a lot of people that aren't really excited about that because there's not somebody to tell them a bunch of things. It's all between you and the Lord, just getting alone. But I, once again, with the love of the world, the, the thing that we have to realize is that prayer is undesirable when you find your pleasure in the world. You won't desire prayer if you find pleasure in the world because what happens is prayer actually becomes your pleasure. And the more pleasure you find in the world, the less desirable his presence will be to you because it's almost like filling on junk food and then you're not ready to eat a meal that somebody had prepared for you because you ate McDonald's on the way over. And God has a feast for us but we gotta get the love of the world out. Amen. It's gotta get out. And I'm here to tell you that the enemy has tried to make the world and everything it offers nice and shiny and wrap it up real nice. But I'm here to tell you it is full of destruction and damnation. We've been saying this for weeks. But when you see the wicked in our country, it looks like wickedness and, and evil is accelerating. It praise the Lord because it's accelerating off a cliff. The enemy will be exposed. He he he! When it, you have to understand that the cross made no sense. The enemy thought he won, and Jesus was sealing him. When I heard Daniel Calenda once say that, when they were nailing, the the when they were nailing the nails into the cross, the enemy didn't realize that he was nailing nails in his own coffin. You know what I'm saying? That that when it looks like the enemy is winning. He's actually sealing his own damnation, no matter how hard he tries. In fact, the greatest onslaughts from the enemy are bringing about. Even David. David literally became the next, like God called him as a kid, but it was when the enemy, through Goliath, challenged the nation of Israel. That was David's coming out party of being king because he the enemy, when he takes his biggest shot and tries to intimidate, the body of Christ rises up. And the spirit of the bride begins to, to recognize that this should not be happening. That this is, we need to move forward with what God has said. Amen. So I, I just want to really emphasize that because there's three things I want you to, if you, I really encourage you to take notes if you are. Um. Tonight, just say these three words. I know I got you to say three words before. That's our vision. That's what we're going at. But these are the three words for tonight when it comes to prayer. Everyone say foundation. Foundation. And everybody say faith. Faith. And everyone say fire. Fire. I want to talk about these three elements when it comes to prayer from a biblical lens to help your prayer life to grow in deeper intimacy with Him. It's foundation, faith, and fire. And right before we get there, Matthew 13 45, 46, this is when Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like a merchant that went searching for pearls. And once he found the pearl of great price, he sold everything he had to get that one pearl. And we hear multiple parables about that, but the, the one thing that happens in Christianity when it comes to the world is that people just stop when it comes to like certain things they learn, like they, find, they give their life to Jesus, but they don't wanna dive into the depths of who he is. They just wanna live on a surface life where God just blesses their worldly life instead of going into the depths of who he is. And that's what happens with this, is that there's a bunch of pearls everywhere, but once this man, Jesus is saying that this is what the kingdom of God is like, is that once you find him, there's something about when Jesus Christ gets revealed to a human heart authentically, that all of a sudden every priority in your life changes. Am I the only one? That, that it's been a work in progress, but as the years go by, because of, every time I discover him more, Things have to change. This is the price of revelation that every time I discover a new glance, a new glimpse of who he is, there's a, it's a sanctification process where things that I used to desire, I realize I, I can't go after anymore. It says it's a narrow road, right? A narrow road. I was thinking about this recently and I was thinking about the narrow road that right now, the narrow path that we're on, did you know that the footprints of Jesus are on this narrow path? That the footprints of David, the footprints of Elijah, that when we're walking this narrow road, we're not walking where people haven't walked before. There's footprints on this narrow path. And I'm telling you, we can, the deepest footprints are those of Christ because he carried the heaviest load. And his footprints sink deep into the humanity of man that he walked with us, that did you know he, he, is, he is the only God that chose to wear a crown of thorns. He's not only the king of glory, he's the king of suffering. Your suffering. He didn't have to. He's, he's God Almighty. He chose to be the king of suffering for you. No one has suffered as much as Jesus Christ. Did you know that that's even what propels his intercession? Is he knows what people are feeling and suffering. That's what intercession is, is you begin to feel the burdens of mankind. And they begin to, like when you think of human trafficking and you think of things that are going on, all of a sudden God will begin to put his heart in you and how his heart breaks for that. And then you can't just live and not, pray about it and not see something and say, we got to do something we got. And, and this is what intercession does is it builds God's dreams in you instead of your own little picket fence dreams, not saying God won't bless things of that nature. But I'm here to say that God is trying to put his dreams so in you that there's a kingdom that he is, there's a church that he's building and there's a way he wants it to look. And it's not the way it looks right now. Wouldn't you agree? that if God came back on a, on a lot of Sunday morning church services, do you think he would be pleased? And it's sad, but I I would have to say that I do think that there's a lot of things that we build church around what we want. How many programs, how many this, instead of his presence. That's, that's what it's all about. And it's this prayer is what makes you fall in love with the presence of God because the more you, the more you discover him, the more you want him. I, I said this recently, it's like, I am fully satisfied with an insatiable desire to know him. It doesn't make sense, but that's the kingdom, is that I'm fully satisfied with an insatiable desire to pursue him, that I'm satisfied with him alone, but I have to have more. I have to see him afresh, amen? So, with these, uh, oh man, there's so, help us look. John, John 2, John 2, this is Jesus' first miracle. Nick was alluding to it before, that Jesus' first miracle was he turned what? Water into wine at a wedding. And what's, what's very phenomenal about seeing this is that he turns water into wine, and the master of the feast of that wedding, The master of the ceremony in verse 10, he says, you've saved the good wine for last. You've saved the good wine for last. Did you know that Jesus is heaven's good wine? And the reason you need to see this is because it says in Isaiah 53, verse 10, it said it pleased the father to bruise him, to crush him. How do you get wine? You have to crush and bruise grapes. The reason it pleased the Father to bruise Jesus is because that's the way the good wine would flow. And to take it even further, think about this. What was the first plague with Moses? God used Moses. What was the first plague? Turning water into blood. So there's no coincidence that the first miracle would be water into wine. Think about water into blood, representing God's deliverance and judgment on captivity and bondage, in a Nile River, and Nile, the, the the river represents life, and he had to turn man's source of life. He had to, it had to be it had to be judged by the blood, and to brought in. But the new covenant, when Jesus comes, he turns water into wine. But this is how he turns it into wine, by getting man to believe his word and to do it. Fill these water pots up and it'll turn into wine. All God is asking us to do, to receive the new covenant to receive. And here's the thing about wine I'm trying to get you to see is wine is symbolic of enjoying him. It's enjoying his presence. It's part of the communion that enjoy my presence. And Jesus is saying that this is why even this Sunday when we do prayer, we're going to have a table with communion elements, not just the regular kind of way we do communion now with the cups and the the peel. We're going to have bread set up and a place for you to pour uh, grape juice and have a moment with the Lord anywhere in the room. But communion is such a part of, of prayer and he wants us to enjoy him and to be intoxicated with the revelation of who he is. And in the old covenant, they couldn't enjoy him because there was so much, but he wanted to reveal himself, and then Jesus came. So say our three points again. Foundation, faith, and fire. So when this comes, we got to hit foundation to really get this. And it's if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3, and we're going to start in verse 9. Paul says, for we are fellow workers. You are God's field. Say, I'm God's field. field. You are God's building. Say, I'm God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Everyone say foundation. foundation. And another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. This is, what is the foundation of prayer? Jesus Christ. Now, you gotta, you gotta just stop right there. I'm not saying to check your box off that you're a Christian and that makes my prayer founded upon Jesus Christ. You have to understand, well, who is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but God made it very clear that one of the things that Jesus Christ, his role is he is the word of God. Everyone say Jesus is the word. Is the word. So this is, this is all throughout scripture. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. And then in Revelation 19.13, it says that his robe was dipped in blood and his name was the word of God, that Jesus is the word of God. Now, just think about that for a moment. When If you ever hear about healthy relationships and what is advice for healthy relationships, what does everybody say? Communication, right? So just, so a healthy, the foundation for a healthy relationship is communication. So think about how smart God is, that Jesus is the word of God, so Jesus is his communication for who he thinks, who he wants to be revealed to us as, and how he thinks about us. God has already communicated everything he thinks about you, wants you to know through who? Jesus. That the foundation of communication has been laid. It is Jesus Christ. And to even go even further about that, Jesus even said in Matthew 7, And when you read 24 through 27, this is right after Jesus, right after he said that there is going to be a day on the day of judgment where people are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, depart from you or depart from me. I never knew you. And they'll say, but I did signs and wonders in your name. I cast out demons. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. Right after he says that, he says that a wise man is one that hears my word and does it. This man is somebody that builds his house upon a rock so it's not just hearing it's doing what he says and this is through prayer that we're building a foundation on communication through the word of God you hear me that your prayer life is going to only be as strong and built as you are growing in the word of God because the word of God is Jesus and if God has chosen to, this is God's love language. He goes up to you and God doesn't say, I love you. He says, Jesus, because Jesus even is above, I love you. Jesus, when he says Jesus, he's saying, this is how I think about you, how I feel about you, that Jesus Christ is my heart summed up in in a person, in a being. This is how I feel about you. And what is he, what is God longing for? Because, you know, what is, when, when you're in a relationship, even with my wife, I have to find out the things that she loves and it might not be things I like to talk about at first. Does any married couples know what I'm talking about? That there might be a few things that you might not, Totally enjoy to talk about right away, but you love talking to them. So all of a sudden content that didn't just match what you like, you start talking. So if God loves to talk about Jesus, what do you think prayer should be? He wants to hear you say the word of God. He wants you to begin to communicate the word of God. That, yeah, in the Psalms, you'll find that David would talk about his situation for a few moments, and then all of a sudden he would say, but you're the rock that's higher than that. He would start to go into praise, that he wouldn't ignore his situation. He wouldn't just say, I'm just going to ignore it and just, I'm going to faith through it. No, He, he would bring his situation before the Lord, but he would begin to cry out, And praise, and he knew that if he could speak the word, it would it would move God's heart because it would show God that I do believe and I hear that. And this is why you find that it says that the angels, just think about this, and Alan Hood alluded to this when he was here a couple times ago, but he's just think about this. One when when Lucifer, who is now Satan, when he, he was the worship leader in heaven and he convinced. One-third of the angels to follow him out of heaven. Can you, can you even fathom that? that and, and what was it that was so attractive? It was they wanted their own glory. They wanted their own ministry. They wanted their own way. And it was so enticing that Lucifer was able to, to pull them. And why was he able to pull them? Because he was talented. He was an angel of light. He was talented. He was shiny. Did you know that the Bible says Jesus came and it said that he didn't even look desirable? Did you know that Jesus hides behind your offenses just to see if you'll lay them down to, to hear his word? That sometimes, sometimes God will speak through a vessel that you don't want to hear it from just to see if you'll hear him and not judge the vessel he'll hide behind offenses just to break your pride. That's why he'll speak through a donkey to a prophet. Prophets can hear from the Lord. Well, it looks like the donkey heard better today because it's not about you being a prophet. It's about you listening for the people. It's about you just having this relationship. And when when you're seeing how God wants to speak and how he desires, it's this foundation that when we speak the word of God in prayer, there's something special. And I know people in this room know what I'm talking about, that there's something that when you hear somebody praying, yeah, it's great to be so heartfelt and genuine when you're praying for somebody, but there's something about when somebody starts speaking the word and they believe it. I'm talking about real roots. I'm talking about he's already said everything that needs to be said. And that when if you really want to dive deep in prayer, start saying what he's already said. And this is why the next part of this is faith. Everyone say faith. faith. It's, oh man. Uh, the faith, if you're taking notes, write Ephesians 3.17 down. So the foundation is Christ. It's the word of God. Ephesians 3.17 says this. Because Ephesians 3 is one of Paul's prayers. If you really want to start praying over yourself, read Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 prayers over yourself all the time. And in Colossians 1 has a prayer and Philippians 1 has a prayer. And these are prayers that Paul prays over the saints. Did you know never once does Paul say, Lord, you know, please send um, buildings and send um, chariots and all these. He, all he prays for them is that their spiritual eyes would be opened. But in Ephesians 3.17, this is when we're talking about faith. You have to understand that faith is, is not just, the church has limited faith to a lever that you pull to get God to do what you want to do. That, that, that is not what faith is. I, I want you to know that faith in its rawest form is believing God is who he says he is. That's its rawest form. But to even take it further, faith is throwing all of your trust on the altar of his word faith is throwing all of your trust on the altar of his word and saying lord i submit to everything you say and i'm telling you am i the only one that when i read certain things in the old testament or even the news do you ever read things and it actually offends you that god would make that choice i just want you all to know i want to be real i'm not the bible is like x-rated did you know that god would instruct Moses, he would instruct Joshua to go into a whole nation and kill every, every person in that nation. God would instruct it. You're like, no, God's a God of love. I'm just here to tell you that sometimes if you only look at God through the way you want to, it's because you're offended at his justice. You're offended at the way he judges. And we in American culture, we, get, we, we hear so much about God's love, which is amazing. But then we miss the multifaceted God that his wrath reveals how much of a God of love he is as well. And when, when you start to see that, all of a sudden, instead of saying, I'm just going to leave that out. I'm not going to talk about that when I, I'm ministering to family and stuff. What you should do is this. As soon as you read something that bothers you, you say, God, you are a God of justice and you are a God of love. Take me deeper into the way you make decisions. Watch what he'll do. All of a sudden, that's where wisdom, because what is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord, not the love of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom that means you reverent him, you don't question him with a alternate uh, ego or uh, you know, with just a different opinion that you're questioning him genuinely, saying, God, take me deeper into the way you judge. And so Ephesians 3.17 says this, that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. This is when Paul is saying what faith is for right here. He is saying that the foundation is Christ, you, you, you lay a foundation, it's only Christ, that we talk the word of God, but the purpose of faith is so that you would constantly believe that the reality of his person would dwell in your hearts. Could you imagine, how, how many people know, is anybody, could, and if you haven't, I, I pray that tonight that you would, but does anybody know what it's like to sense the presence of God? above everything going on in your life even if you got some crazy you see the hands going up like people that sense his presence even when they might have the worst day but his presence just overrides that did you know that when it says that right in the scripture that Paul is praying that that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith he is saying that I want he I want to pray over the church that they would experience that through every moment of life that 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 no longer would we have to get to a place where we're dwelling in his presence, but that we would be so involved in prayer on a daily basis that he would be dwelling in our hearts. You know what it means to dwell? It means to remain. It means to kick the feet up on the sofa and just know that I'm not leaving here anytime soon because I'm a welcome guest. Is is Jesus welcome to sit on the lazy boy throne in your heart? Or do you like to have him right by the front door so that way you can go back to loving the world and excuse him for a few moments? Is he able to be relaxed? You know what keeps him relaxed is it's when your faith, your faith's not looking for a bunch of, your faith is just looking for him. And I heard somebody during worship Yell this out and then I heard and then Nick prophetically through the altar. These were two words. I took a walk multiple times a day praying before tonight. And this is what I heard all day. Are you ready? Two words right now, right now, right now. And it started hitting me that the enemy is talking the church out of prayer because prayer Makes heaven right now. Pray, you see, that right now you can drink from the fountain of life. Yeah. Jesus wasn't saying that come to me and things will get. Uh, once you get to heaven he's saying that you can be in the midst of hell going on all around you but when you begin to talk with me that you can drink from the river of life you can have the fountain of life right now is eternal life you can experience him right now you could tune me out the rest of this service and you can be with him you can begin to see him in his glory Because he's right now, because it says in Hebrews 11 that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It says now faith is, that faith brings you into the reality of God now. That faith is not pulling a situation to happen, it is is saying I welcome God here now. It's it's, it's something that it's transcendent to just a situation being fixed. It's letting God in. That's why I love the story with Paul and Silas in prison because it doesn't say they were praying that God would deliver them from the prison. It said they just began to sing. you know why they began to sing? Because Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted. And I don't think they were singing a song of sorrow. I think that they were singing because they were thankful that they could be persecuted for Jesus. And Jesus said, these are my boys. And when they began to sing, the prison couldn't hold them anymore because another resident came in the prison and he doesn't know how to be bound and his name is Jesus. So when they began to sing, Jesus walked in and said, I want to be a part of this praise and worship set. Because this praise and worship set isn't waiting for the right song to get excited. This praise and worship says right now he is king. Right now that even when I'm being imprisoned, even when I'm being persecuted, he's worthy right now. Not when I get out of jail, not when souls get saved later. He's already saved me. And right now he is here. Amen. Amen. It's a now faith that takes us and this is. Faith comes by what? It comes by hearing and hearing by the what? I like to say faith comes by hearing and hearing Jesus. Because he's the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing Jesus. Did you know that if Jesus just, you know, it could just be like this. There's been moments that... I've really, has anybody blown it before? Like really bad, like just like totally bad. I've had moments in worship when I knew I blew it so bad, like with something, like I screamed at somebody or, you know, I, you know something bad happened and you're like, how could dumb scream at anybody? But I just, it just, something happens, you blow it and in worship, I'll just be there and I'll hear this. I'll just hear,
0: I still love you.
1: It doesn't take this elegant sermon. It doesn't take somebody to talk me out of it. All I need to hear is that still whisper. Sometimes he might just say, you know, it, you know, when the Bible says he's our very present help in time of need, it's like soon as a trouble happens and you take roll call, God here, <laughs> all he has to do is say here and you're like, oh yeah, what was I worried about? Hebrews 11, I encourage you to read that this week. It's the hall of faith. The way you know you're maturing in the Lord is many desires become one. You just want him. It's the glorious reducing that's actually maturity. That you just want him and you want him to influence your dreams and desires. That's why the Bible says, delight yourself in him and what? He will give you what you really wanted. No, it actually says delight yourself in him, and he will give you desires. He will give you the desires of the heart that he's made new, not the not the heart that Adam gave you. It's a new creation heart. There's a lot of people that have old things passed away. You know, if we are a new creation, why are we asking God to bless the old? He wants to give you new. Everything, and the new creation has no expiration date. It's beautiful. When God, when God makes you new, you're forever new. And Isaiah 55 shares, it tells us that to come, it says to come and buy and drink for things, it says that they don't cost because the price has already been paid. It says come right now, you could come and drink. There's people in this room that are like, I just can't find peace. You, that that means you can't find him. You're not looking for peace, you're looking for Jesus. Jesus, you see, uh, sometimes we think of Jesus and then we think of peace and joy and love and goodness. We think uh, they're like, you know, uh, they're riding like in little sidecars around Jesus. Do you understand that he is joy? He is peace, he is love, and the enemy wants you to compartmentalize the kingdom when it's all about one king. And the reason a lot of people live frustrated is because they're looking for something from God instead of just looking for him. Because as soon as you look at him, you find the peace, you find the joy, you find the love. People are looking for an open door. He is the door. They're looking for, they're looking for clarity and leader. He's the, he's the shepherd. He leads. He. The, the, I just feel like it's dark. I'm in a dark time. He's the light. It's like, I, I, you know, I, I just feel... Like, nothing's, he satisfies he, everything about him. You have to fall in love with the, this man, Jesus. And I want to hit this, but when it comes to faith, this maturing in faith that is so, it, I, I, right back to that real quick, the, that heaven even, there are so many Christians that there, that a lot of Christianity has been built around, if I say a prayer, I get to go to heaven. But But I'm here to tell you that that heaven is incomprehensibly glorious, but it is only one expression of the infinite faceted Christ. That even what everybody longs for, golden streets and everything, it's all him. The golden streets you walk on are him. He is, and it's like, how, does, how do you fathom that? It's because that's how in love he is with you that he created It all, through the word of God, that we're standing on the word of God. Right now, everything was put in motion by the word of God. Jesus is holding this whole thing together. Because God says that I framed the entire earth and hold it together with the word of God. Jesus is holding it all together. And it's all through faith. And Enoch has anybody heard of Enoch before? He was the seventh generation from Adam, which seven is a huge number. And one of the things is that Enoch, it said he had a testimony that pleased God. And, you know, if you read Enoch, it just says he walked with God and then he was no more. He never died because he, his faith actually, his, he actually orchestrated his own rapture through faith. He got so lost in the glory with walking with God that one day God said, you don't have to go back. He went in the secret room. He went in the secret place one day and he didn't come back out. People are like, that's just weird. That's No, this is people that are getting so lost in his presence that you found that. And this, this is why Moses, that Moses was told he was like, you're going to be the deliverer. You're going to take people, all the, the captive people in Egypt. You're going to lead them out into the promised land. And then 40 years go by and he's dealing with all this complaining. But, you, you know, millions of people were following him. If anybody would have looked at Moses that time and said, man, I wish I was Moses. He, he's commanding these people. He's he's doing all this. And he was note, you know, he was notable by everyone. And it says this, that soon as they were about to get to the place that flows with milk and honey, that would like heaven, like they're so excited to get to this place. And in Exodus 33, Moses all on this journey to this place, at this promised land, this heaven, that this is what all the people want. This is what they all want. And then right before they get there in Exodus 33, Moses says, I don't want to go unless your presence does. Because in his pursuit of promises, he fell in love with the promise giver. And he refused. He said, I don't even want to go to where everybody wants to unless you are there. Because his faith was no longer looking for something around him. His faith has said that this is what I want. And I don't want anything from this world to compromise what we have. And if I'm more intimate with you in the wilderness, than I would be in the promised land. Keep me in the wilderness. If I'm more intimate with you when things are going crazy, then I actually rather it be crazy than everything go good and me just start ignoring God. I know that that's not popular preaching, but this is what happens when you get possessed by his presence you become helplessly addicted to more of him because every person was created to be addicted to something and that's why the enemy preys on it he gets you addicted to phones gets you addicted to Netflix gets you addicted to different things and all YouTube whatever it is to try to pull you away and lure you away from him so I say all that to say oh man that David even said, You know, David was a king. And in Psalm 42, it says, As the deer paneth for water, so, so my soul longs for you. Once again, a notable man. He was a king that had all the money, he had all the men at his disposal. And you know what he decided to do with his free time? Cry and write worship songs. He could have been been riding a chariot around and saying, look at me, I'm King David. And he could have been doing all this stuff. He chose to hide in the shadow of the Almighty and weep and cry. He was a king. And in the the Old Testament, there was different roles. There was kings and priests. David was a king, but he longed to be a priest. He had everything, but he rather... He wishes he was a priest. So he would be a king that would go act like a priest because he said, because he didn't want to just be a priest so that way people would know him as a man. No, he just wanted to offer things to God. He just wanted to love on him. And it's because his faith made him love the presence. His faith didn't make him want to change situations around. His faith actually drew him more into the presence. And I want to say this, that we need more road to damascus encounters than drive through christianity we need more road to damascus encounters than drive through church experiences we need people to get knocked off their horse of pride their horse of religion they need to get knocked off there are people in this room that you are just one step away from entering his presence and being completely lost in his glory and realizing how prideful you have been and, how, and that the sin has been wicked and that you've actually affected people around you. But most of all, David said when he realized, he said, I have sinned before you and you alone. That David realized that he, he felt the weight of his sin. And there's a lot of people that because the love of God is, is ministered in such a way that people don't even realize the price that was paid. That it's almost like God pat me on the back so I feel better about my worldliness. Instead of I've been living wickedly and you paid, that's what you thought of sin was the cross, the beating. That's what you thought of it. That's why we need to start praying prayers like this like we will Sunday. Lead me to the cross and prayers like this, show me what I actually did deserve but what you gave me instead. Like, start praying prayers that, you see, repentance provokes the kiss of mercy. You, you'll feel his affection in that. And this is, in worship team, you can come because we're going to stir it up again uh, as we're, the. Uh... Oh, my. So finally, everyone say fire. fire. So foundation, Jesus Christ is the content of prayer. He is it all, and then faith is what we're, we're keeping the reality of Christ alive in our heart, but fire, the reason that fire is last, you know, Jesus even, what does it say in Hebrews? It said that God is an all-consuming what? Fire. He is a fire, that his presence is all-consuming, that when you get into his presence, but Nick said it earlier too, in Revelation 19, it says when Jesus comes back, he's not coming back as a, a, a man that's going to just ride a donkey into town, or a col- he's coming back on a white horse with eyes flames of fire and the bible says that he's going to have a a sword sticking out of his mouth doesn't seem pleasant (laughs) but but this is what he desires that this this word but why would the sword be in his mouth? Because what does it say in Ephesians 6? It says that the word of God is the sword. It is the, it's the sword and the reason he's coming back is because he is the word of God and he knows how to use it. He doesn't need a hand to swing a sword because when he speaks something, it has to destroy darkness, it has to come about. So when he comes back on this horse, He says he's got eyes flame of fire. Did you know every time you get into prayer, what does the Bible tell us over and over again? To seek his face. So as you begin to seek his face, when I lock eyes with you, when I I seek his face, the more I make contact with him in prayer. We've said this before that when you close your eyes in the secret place, in the secret place, when you close your eyes, you see everything. That... When you close your eyes, that's when you begin to see, God begins to animate your imagination with his glory. And you begin to see, and these flames of fire that are his eyes, what does fire do? Fire purifies, it purifies. And this is what God wants in prayer, that this fire would purify our desires. It would purify where we're at in 1 Peter 1, 7, it tells us that we're gonna be tried by fire. In Exodus 40, 38, how did God lead the children of Israel when it was dark out? By fire. He he would purify, that He's purifying the way. So, do you see that if He was leading them by fire, what was He doing? He was purifying the path they were walking. He leads us by fire because. He's leading us down a path of righteousness, and there's things that it, and we got to go back to 1 Corinthians 3, what we were reading earlier, because when it says in 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day Of the Lord will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Everyone say fire. Fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. And then it goes on to say, do you not know that you are a temple of God? So he's saying that this is what he's building. He's building a house of prayer with you, you as an individual. And he's saying that the things that you're believing for, the things that you're aspiring to in life, are they all gonna be burnt up? Is if if is is let me ask you this. Right now, if if we could see your prayer, your your the, the prayers that you're praying the most in the secret place, if they were just right before us all and we could read it like a list, would your prayer list matter in eternity? Would it it be making, or or is it so focused on little trivial things? And I'm not here to say that God doesn't want to help you with those things, but I'm just saying, at the end of the day, is your prayer list, would it be burnt up? Would it be non-relevant, irrelevant to eternity? Because God is trying to raise a people up, a bride that are so that they've been so transformed that every desire they now have is the gospel. It's for Him. It's to see things change. It's to, it's the like when we pray this Sunday, we want to believe that strip clubs will get shut down in our region. We want to we want to see thing, and then we want to see all the, the 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 women that were working there that we want to see them get jobs that will actually help them in life, and we want to empower. Because if you can't just shut darkness down and not disciple the people that get delivered. Because that's the thing the church does. Sometimes the church, we, we, like Nate was saying, we'll get so excited about something happening, but we won't take any kingdom responsibility. And the next generation will suffer because we just celebrated, but we didn't actually labor. And what we're actually doing is we're celebrating what our ancestors prayed for. And if we don't do something now, the next generation is going to be even further away from God. That's why this room, our prayers need to be for the children. We need to lay hands on all of our children every day. You don't have to wait for a church to do it. If you're a parent, you're anointed to be a parent. You're anointed to be a mom. You're anointed to be a dad. And they're not your kids. They're his. Are you stewarding the next generation? Because the kids that are around us right now, they are God's seed for the next generation and the enemy's trying to hijack it. with worldliness he's a jealous God and that's why he is an all-consuming fire because he will burn anything that is standing between you and him to the ground he treats distance like an enemy that's why the blood of God the blood of Jesus has brought us near say it again foundation faith fire it's a it's a maturity you build the foundation with the word of god in prayer and then through faith you believe in this reality of christ and and i'm telling you when you and i i know i know we're a little late romans 8 37 when you read a scripture it says you're more than a conqueror through jesus christ you're more you know what you need to do don't just read that and say hallelujah say jesus or say holy spirit Teach me how much of a conqueror you made me. Like, when you read scripture, talk to him. Like, as soon as you read something, when it says that Jesus said, you will even do greater works than these, don't just read that and say, yay, I'm good. No, say, show me, teach me. And, and pause and let the Holy Spirit do what he does best. Reveal Jesus. Because who is Jesus? The word of God. The Holy Spirit, you have, you have the most powerful resource in all the world, in all the universe, the Word of God. We're so privileged in this nation to be able to have what we have, yet sometimes we're very whole hum about it. I'm telling you, 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 want, you want to be in that, you want to live in that book.